Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, yeah. You already know what time it is. It's that official time. When we take this worldwide. So now it's time to turn it up Surf the radio waves as we begin to burn it up We all up in your area like landscape Definitely bringing you the power slamming pancakes It's a mandate that you tune in It's time to move out so we can move in And recognize that this is no illusion I'm here to clear the air so that there is no confusion It all started off in the book of Genesis When Jacob was wrestling with who he thought was his nemesis And when the man saw he couldn't overpower him He touched his hip but he really couldn't devour him and from that point, then we hear a name change, rearrange the game, so now we gotta change lanes. Uh, so I'm here to let you know it's time to listen to the Pancake and Power Slam show. Let's go! Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam show. Uh. Yoga to help me out uh, with my back problems, and uh, so 
DDP Yoga's been on Shark Tank. DDP Yoga's been all over the world as far as popularity is concerned. Let us know. For those who has been have been li- living under a rock for some reason, who have no idea <laughs> what, DDP, what DDP Yoga is, let them know about it. Well, uh, you got to start that in the beginning. Um, you know, I, I and I always have to open with this because I'm the guy who wouldn't be caught dead doing yoga the first 42 years of my life. But when you start wrestling at 35 and your career takes off at 40, which was in 1996, 97 and 98, I was on top of the world wrestling 270 days a year. You know, everyone from Hulk Hogan to Goldberg to me and Maloney against Rodman and Hogan, me and Jay Leno against Hogan and uh, Bischoff. Uh, it was crazy, man, because, you know, why was it just wrestling 270 days a year? I was on the road, you know, doing The Tonight Show, Hollywood Squares, uh, um, ready to rumble. I mean, I was had a crazy, feverish schedule, and right at the end of '98, I blew my back out so badly that three uh, back specialists told me my wrestling career was over, and I just signed a multi-million-dollar three-year deal. So, I mean, I finally was getting paid, and I wouldn't get paid anything compared to what you know the uh, the other guys who were in the main event were getting paid, and I mean nowhere near it for '97. And 98. So finally I was getting paid and then they told me it was all going away. So, uh, it wasn't just the money, you know, the money obviously was part of it. Uh, but it was living the dream. And when you tell me you're going to take that away from me, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to hold on to it. Yeah. And, um, you know, cause I, you know, like everybody, anybody who watched wrestling, you know, in 97, you know, 96, 97 and 98, no, in 97, you know, my career exploded. And uh, to take it all away, you know, again, I tried anything. That's how yoga came into my world. I fought it at first, but then once I realized how amazing it was starting to heal my body, along with the rehabilitation techniques I was doing, because I rehabbed both shoulders and both knees, you know, uh, going to rehab and you know, breaking up scar tissue. I know a lot about that, which alleviates pain, creates flexibility. So I just put them together. And then I added in some old school calisthenics, push-ups, squats, crunches, stuff we all grew up with, and did them with a slow burn movement, which means you move slowly, like you're engaging muscles. And uh, what I figured out, again, by accident, that every time you flex or engage a muscle, your heart has to beat faster to get the blood to the muscle. So completely by accident, I developed what would now be known as DDP yoga, which is kick-ass cardio, dramatically increased my flexibility and core strength, and all with minimal joint impact. So it didn't beat my body up while I was doing it. It healed my body. In less than three months, I was back in the ring. So at 42, those, these guys who were like the smartest back specialists in the world told me my career was over. At 43, I'm the heavyweight champ of the world. So that had never been given to a guy, I don't think under 37 years old. At that, at that time, no one had ever, for a first time, and it'll never be done. No one in their 40s, especially 43, was ever bestowed with that, you know, honor. And, uh, you know, as you can imagine, I'm going to keep doing that. You know, yeah. so... Uh, you know, um, you know, it became part of my lifestyle, and uh, I just worked it into my whole program. I'm still lifting weights, 
and uh, went on to, uh, you know, uh, to develop, you know, write a book about it and then do a DVD series and then another DVD series. Hey, honey, I'm on the thing. You can't be banging like that, my love. <laughs> I'm on the podcast. Um, the, uh, you know, I, I went on to do the second DVD series, which lasted five years. And it's still selling out the ears. And we're about to, we just dropped uh, the first DDP Yoga Now app. And that is, um, uh, that has just gotten like crazy rave reviews because we're up on Google Play right now. And uh, we're also um, up on ddpyoganow.com. And people can go on and try it and see it because we give some sampler workouts and stuff, along with all the other amazing parts of the app that we put together. But uh, we're still waiting on uh, Apple. We're waiting on, uh, you know, uh, iTunes, um, and we think that's going to come together in the next week. So uh, it's been pretty crazy, man. The lives that have been changed, including Jake the Snake Roberts and Scott Hall. Uh, you know, what, what's happening with their, you know, prospective lives. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, perfect segue. Cause that's the second thing I was going to talk about was the uh, resurrection of Jake, the snake DVD that uh, has been recently released. And uh, <clears throat> I, I, I saw all types of independent festival, you know, uh, honors and things like that. And um, it's a very great watch and very, very intriguing, very poignant journey uh, for Jake the Snake Roberts. So was it intended to create a DVD for his journey from the very beginning, or was it a matter of just having so much footage of his journey, of his successful journey, the highs and lows, that it was worth putting together and compiling for a DVD? Well, first of all, it's not like you saw the movie, right? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> it's not like we just threw footage together in a movie. You know, we were, you know, we made the long list or the Oscar, you know, consideration of 124. And if you, if your story isn't like crazy intact and the coloring and the, and the footage, I mean, you can see we just didn't film that and threw a bunch of stuff together. Like that's like, it's maybe one of the best documentaries. If, if, if we'd have had a bigger, you know, you do know because you love what we do, but we also know that people who don't like wrestling, you know, like they actually, they go out of their way to dislike it. You know, they get aggravated for people for actually liking it. So if, because uh, if, if we would have been three golfers in the resurrection of Jake the Snake, we'd have been up for the top 15. We might have even made it top five. But because it's wrestlers, it's just seen in a different light, which we accept. And our story's strong as hell. Um, but we started, when I started working with Jake, I named, actually, I didn't name the movie, a friend of mine uh, named Moser. I, I told him about, uh, I was going to have Jake, I was going to go down and see him, and I was going to work with him. And if he lost 20 pounds on his own, because he was over 300 pounds at the time. And Jake Roberts never, I've never knew Jake Roberts to have an insane or any kind of work ethic except in the ring. I mean, his promos, he never had to think about his promos. He, he's like the most natural person ever. You know, it's not like he had to put a lot of work into it because he was just so smart. 
um, as far as wrestling, you know, the first five years of his career, as I've known, I know now, he was as stiff as any guy out there. But at some point, Jake got it. And when he got it, he got it at a whole different level. Okay. And um, he, uh, he, you know, since I knew him in 90, I guess it was nine. I guess I met him in 87 when he came into my nightclub in Fort Myers, Florida. But, you know, when I got to go with travel with him as a wrestler in the night, you know, in 1991 or 90, so I think it was 91 when he came in for a couple months and, and then going with him from that moment on and him taking me under his wing, um, I never knew him to have a work ethic in the gym, like none, zero. He'd show up, he'd do a couple reps and he'd sit around and talk. So when it came down to him being as beat up and run down and the attic that he was weighing over 300 pounds, there was no way I was moving him to Atlanta and moving him in my house and helping him on this journey if he couldn't do some of this on his own. So the deal, and we talk about it right in the beginning, you lose 20 pounds on your own, dude, and I'll move you up. And he did, like way faster than I ever thought he would. But, you know, he saw it as his last shot. But when I was talking to my buddy Moser, telling him about how – and he had just seen Jake about four months earlier down in San Diego. I was living in L.A. for 10 years, and Jake was down there at a signing, and he was annihilated. I mean, he was so, you know, screwed up. And, um, and uh, the – you know, he was like, Are you really think you're going to be able to turn Jake Roberts? He's booze, pills, coke, and crack. You really think you're, you're going to be able to turn his life around? I said, I don't know, dude. I know I'm going to try. He said, it sounds like it could be the resurrection of Jake the Snake. And I said, that's the goal. That's the name of the movie. And we started filming from day one when me and Steve Yu, the director, went down there. And... um never knowing if we were ever going to do anything with it. And then when Jake finally got up here and we started putting together some really um, engaging a storyline, you know, and we started it on YouTube because my goal was for Jake to see that it wasn't just me who cared. Like there's millions of people out there dude, to look up to you like you're a God. You know, and he don't want to be a god to anybody, but he, he, a guy who's an addict, you know, feels like no one cares anymore. You know, because a lot of people don't, because you burnt so many bridges. And the only reason that I did it to start was, like you said earlier, uh, I give a lot of props to Dusty Rhodes. I give all the props to Dusty Rhodes for giving me the breaks that really meant something. Yeah. Like Dusty gave me every first break I ever had. He didn't give me the exact first one, but the ones that really meant something that I turned into something else, he was responsible for a lot of them. And he, when I went to Florida Championship Wrestling after the AWA, he uh, he took me under his wing and he taught me. He taught me about production. He talked me about storylines. Uh, I just had a really, I had a lot of really great ideas. I reminded, in his words, I reminded him a lot of Jesse and Captain Lou and himself. And, uh, you know, um, 
he gave me the opportunity to, he said, kid, I'm going to make you the, the Nick, the Jesse Ventura, the 90s. And I was like, Dusty, I don't know a wrist lock for a wristwatch. You know, I can't, I, I can't possibly do color. He said, don't worry about it, baby. Gordon's going to walk you through it all. And Gordon Soley, you know, was the next thing I know I'm doing color with Gordon Soley and figuring it out as I go along. And over a couple of years, I figured it out. But uh, in the beginning, it was just pure energy. Dusty gave me all those breaks. For Jake, Jake was the first one to believe in me. That was one of the top guys of all time in the ring. He had, you know, he'd seen my work. He'd watched me. He, you know, he, he, he knew my work ethic. And uh, he, he got behind me when really nobody did. Dusty didn't even believe in me then as a worker. I'd already gone from wrestler, a wrestling manager, to color commentator, to wrestler, which is completely opposite. And um, Dream never believed in me as a wrestler until I tore my rotator cuff, got let go by Bill Watts, went and was on the road with Jake Roberts for 11 months. Three of them, he lived in my house. And like he said, when my torn rotator cuff, I said, I can't wait to get in the ring with you and learn. He's like, D, you already know all the moves. You're going to learn more sitting on the couch and talking psychology than you will ever learn in the ring with me. You already know how to do all the moves. You just don't know when to do them, why you're doing them, and how to get the people to care. And when I came back 11 months later, and I had my, I went, I was down the power plant the day before my meeting with Dusty because Eric Bishop had set me up a meeting to come in and meet with Dusty, and I had, you know, I had a bunch of ideas. I always did. He knew that about me, and uh, I was down the power plant, and he never was there. And uh, when he seen me, he gave me a big hug. He goes, "We got our meeting tomorrow, right?" I said, "Yep." He said, "Jump in there with his kid. I want to see what he's got." So about 20 minutes, I worked with the kid and. I got done, got out of the ring, went to the other ring, and he stayed there that whole day. And um, next morning when I came in to meet him, he said, uh, you know, after we talked all our just catch-up, because we hadn't talked in a while, and uh, he said, you know, I know you always seen yourself as this main event superstar in our business, and I have to tell you, i never seen it. I just got to be honest with you, kid. i never seen it until yesterday. And it was like, like, holy, oh, my God. I just got Dusty Rhodes' approval that I actually am not hallucinating that I could be a mid-card to main event player. So that was a really big day. But it came from all the knowledge I learned from Jake. Yeah. And I can remember, oh, my God, because you're such a Dusty fan, I'll tell you this. I can remember Dusty used to be so mad at me that I would use his name and Jake's name in the same vein, meaning the guys who helped me, like, big time. And I, I don't ever forget that. You know, I don't ever forget who helped me. I know everyone who ever helped me, and I, and, I, and I always go out of my way to help them back whenever I can. And it used to drive Dusty crazy because to, to Dusty, Jake 
you know, just ruined his life with the drugs, just ruined his life. And that I would put him in the same verbiage in any instance, you know, especially with psychology, anything. And Dusty was one of the greatest psychologists of our time, you know, because who could go out there, the, the overweight person that he was, and just own the building? I don't oh, care yeah. who's out there. From Ric Flair to, to, to Terry Funk to, to superstar Billy Graham, I don't care who it is. Like, they may be up to that spotlight, Flair, because Flair was, is still his own animal. He's unbelievable. You know, superstar, that level that he was at. But nobody outshined Dusty Rhodes. Nobody. So it drove him a little crazy that I would put Jake in that same spot until one day I'm in L.A. And I get the call. And he said, you know, I'm writing my book. And I'm not having anybody write it for me. I'm going to write it myself. He said, and I sat down. And I read your book three times. He says, it's a damn good book, D. You're proud of yourself. He said, and I understand now why you hold Jake Roberts in that respect. And that was like, wow, he admitted that. Wow, that was pretty cool. So yeah. that's why I started this entire journey with Jake, because I wanted to help him like he helped me. Like, I'm not sitting in this big house in Atlanta, Georgia. There's probably no DDP yoga without Jake the Snake Roberts. So if if you knew how many people I helped, it would flip you out. Like, you would never believe it. And I'm talking about people who have bought my program three years ago or two years ago or whatever it was for the 79 bucks or whatever the hell the price was. Like, if people knew how close they could get to me by taking care of themselves, turning their lives around. I just did a workshop here at my DDP Yoga Performance Center I stole that name from the NXT Performance Center, the WWE Performance Center, because I thought that was amazing. But that's the name for the WWE Performance Center down there in uh, Orlando, and it's its own animal. But where I'm at, it's the same thing, but for fitness. And it's a performance center. It's not a yoga studio. I don't even do yoga. You know, DDP yoga is its own animal for people who wouldn't be caught dead doing yoga. But there's a really good chance that this place ain't even here. I mean, the power that one life touches is insane. And the movie, and you've seen it, you know you cried. You know those tears ran down your face. If Stone Cold Steve Austin put that on tape, you know the rest of the world who even is a semi-wrestling fan because it's just too real a story. And it's the way Steve, you put it together because it all happened. We could, we could have done a nine, a nine hour mini series and still missed a lot of stuff. And when you talk about the DVD, that will have all that on there, but the movie hasn't even launched. Like no one even, no one's seen that movie, bro. Like I'll bet you between the, People who are, um, you know, radio, you know, podcasts, radio people, TV people, and the maybe 14 screenings we did, maybe friggin' 
like six, maybe 5,000 people have seen that movie, period. So we are about, we, we're, we're literally a week away from pre-launching. I, I said I wasn't even going to put this out there, but since we're talking about it, there will be a, um, I've already got the word from iTunes, in a week from today, maybe, maybe, maybe eight days, no more than that, we will be pre-selling, you know, people who come to want to see the movie, uh, and it'll be on iTunes. We gave them an exclusive, and uh, it will. They can start. You know, we're going to encourage everybody. You know, anybody who's listening now, if you want to know exactly when it goes up on iTunes, um, go to jakethesnakemovie.com because if you sign up there then you get all the information, like when the VOD is going to come out, when it's going to drop, when you can you know, pre-sale buy it, um, you know, when you get the DVD, T-shirts, you know, the whole deal. But we've been putting this together for three years. This is a labor of love. And when, you, when people really get a chance to see it, and like I say, they can put, you know, we're hoping that all of our wrestling people – pre-get it like before the day it goes on sale so that iTunes go, oh my God, what the, where did that come from? From a, from a, a, rest, a movie about three wrestlers? No, it's not a movie about three wrestlers. There's happens to be three wrestlers in it. It's about hope, love, and friendship. That's what that movie is about. Would you agree? Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting because, um, First of all, uh, I'm glad you said something about that because I'm literally getting flooded with comments right now in the live stream about uh, how to find it. So be sure to plug it again. But uh, you know, it's it's interesting when I was when I was watching the piece. Um, it, it's I noticed that, and I've said this before, but it's just when Jake kept saying that he never felt good enough, you know, by his father. And right. I, I have I have the um, the Jake Roberts DVD that came out from, from the WWE version that came out years ago. I have that too, and right. he talks about he talks about it on that one too, and how he never felt you know good enough for his father. And, you know, and, and he's such you know Jake is one of the best mic workers of all time, hands down. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and it's interesting to relive, you know, I remember when I was a kid, you know, 25 years ago, you know, looking at that, looking at the psychology and just the, how he can just totally immerse someone's attention with his his words, you know, he and he, I think it was like a, um, one, like a Tuesday Night Titans or something like that, he was talking about how, you know, you 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 if you, you speak low, you know they'll listen to you, you know, and and things like that. Just the psychology and the Saturday Night's main event. You know when he was had the snake with Mean Gene Oakland, Oakland. You know this this the things like that. But but the, on the flip side of that, it's like we see that with a lot of wrestlers, and we see that with a lot of actors as well. How you know they 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 tend to go to to booze and to alcohol. I mean, and, and to like cocaine and things like that, because they are so immersed in their character that they forget who they are. And I think that that's what that is what I saw a, a whole lot with with Jake, just being surprised that he had you know seven thousand dollars you know in in one night. 
you know, a part of part of uh, you know the DVD. So just being surprised about that, and it was good to to see that with with the account and things like that, and just really understanding that just because someone's a professional wrestler doesn't mean that they have it all together, you know, and and it's it's important to, to realize that with and that, and that's that that's probably my biggest takeaway from you know from the movie just for people to realize that you know it's it, wrestlers need love too you know in, in in a sense because they be so they're they're so big into their character a lot that they they lose themselves and it's so good well, to see someone like Jake Roberts you know find himself again you know one of the things that I've learned is I'm I'm right up next to it and I am all the time from Scott to Jake to countless other guys the thing is because of what happened early on in their life, whether it was little, you know, a little kid or someone in their twenties or whatever it is, mm-hmm. the story you tell yourself is who we are. And when you don't like the story of who you are or how you grow up, a lot of actors, comedians, wrestlers find that character they want to be. And then they start building that. Yep. No one did it better than Jake or Scott. You know, Scott was not comfortable being Scott Hall, you know, big Scott Hall with the blonde hair and the walrus mustache. He wasn't com- comfortable. He was comfortable getting within the character that became Razor Ramon, but I created that whole look from A to Z, from the black hair to the losing the mustache to the, you know, the five o'clock shadow you know, before Razor Ramon, he was the diamond stud. And driving around in my 62 pink Cadillac, as we drive to, uh, and I was managing him, we drive to Gainesville, uh, uh, Georgia. We drive to, you know, um, Florence, South Carolina, or wherever the town, Columbus, South Carolina. We, you know, we drove 300 miles in and around the area all the time back in those days. And uh, Razor was Ramon was was born in the pink Cadillac doing Tony Montana, and then by the time he finally a year and a half later ended up in New York, Razor Ramon was born. But he was all the embryonic stuff started in my '62 pink Cadillac, and Scott will be the first person to tell you that, and uh, that's one of the only reasons that we had success with him here is because anytime that, and he says it in the movie, people don't really know how tight we've been over the last 25 years. His son, Cody is 24 right now and will be coming home from new Japan on the 20th. Well, when Scott called me, you know, pleading to help him to get a job because nobody will return his phone call. And, I say to him, I say, what, you know, what if we change your whole look? Are you, are you good with that? He said, I'll do whatever it takes to get a job, bro. My, my wife's pregnant, by the way, with Cody. All right, it's just 25 years ago, man. And we're on that journey. And now what's really crazy is Cody's comes back on the 20th. Uh, the WWE's been doing a, a Legends story about me they filmed me for like two days and we, and, and we stopped filming it over a year ago because 
I they wanted to have the performance center, the DDP Yoga Performance Center, and they wanted it finished. So as it turns out, now we're all done and open and killing it, and uh, they're going to come down and interview me for the rest of my story. Plus, they're going to interview Scott for the one they've done on him, and they want to get pieces of Cody and Scott and me and Scott at the performance center. So it's really crazy the way things work out, you know. But both of those guys were lost in their own story. Jake and I, I can't tell you how many interviews we did because people just couldn't believe that I took him into my home, you know, and all the demons that he had and everything went through, and I took Scott in too. And that just blew the story up even more. But it got both of those guys to see how much the people really care about them. Because, again, they didn't care about themselves. Why should you? Mm. So what you have to do is put that respect back in somebody's life. you got to show them that there is a reason to fight back. There is a, like My goal, my only goal starting this was to help Jake get as straight as I could get him never knowing where it was going to go. My goal was to get him as straight as I could get him so that he could walk away from the world, the wrestling world that he loves with his head held high. I mean, you could take the top 10 guys of all time in our business, Dusty Rhodes absolutely being one of them, Ric Flair absolutely, Hulk Hogan, uh, Jake Roberts. You know, you could take the top 10 guys of our business in the last 50 years. And Jake, and those top 10 guys are pretty interchangeable as top five guys. And pretty much Jake Roberts on that list every time. So, you know, Jericho says it in the movie. It was like just only a matter of time once Jake started getting straight, you know, that he would go into the Hall of Fame. And Jericho said, and his future Hall of Famer saying this as well, you know, saying, because Jake Roberts is the Hall of Fame. Like, he is. So the wrestling fans all know that he got, you know, put in the Hall of Fame, and I got to induct him. But I want you to think of the odds of that. When I started with Jake in August of 2011, that less than two years later, in this, really 18 months later, in the same house, in the same year, both him and Scott not only got sober, but started to really turn their lives around and got inducted in the Hall of Fame. What do you think the odds would have been on that starting out? A billion to one? If that. Yeah, you know? Like, no one, when I told Steve Austin, like, I know you got a family-friendly show, so I can't even tell you what he told me. But he went off of me like, are you BB crazy? You know, and then when he heard Scott was coming in, which is really like three, two or three months later, Scott came in. Now he really thought I was out of my mind. <laughs> you know, but, you know, pretty much everybody thought I was out of my mind when I became a wrestler at 35. I mean, Michael P.S. Hayes fell down on the ground laughing, like belly laughing. You know, everyone thought I was out of my mind when not only I started doing yoga and when all the specialists said I was done over, my career's over, but I came back and not only came back, but became world champion. Like then they, wow, like, whoa. But then when I came up with my own yoga that, you know, for people who wouldn't be caught dead doing yoga, 
Yeah, like let's let's like there's 20 million people to do yoga. I could have easily gotten into that market and been a serious guru, but that's not who I am. I'm the guy who wouldn't be caught dead doing yoga, so I'm not gonna take that path everybody's on. I've always been a guy who takes the path less traveled, but in this case, there really wasn't even a path. There was just a forest, and I got a bulldozer. I knocked down one tree at a time, and four years later. We've had over 186,000, excuse me, 188,000 people invest in DDP yoga. That means it works. myself. Right, because you know it works. And I never developed it for weight loss. I developed it for what helped you, your back, Uh you know, to heal your body, you know. Yeah. You you, you talk about the road less traveled and, you know, no one – and you said it, you know, earlier in the show, no one has started their career at 35 and, you know, has reached their zenith, you know, in their early to mid 40s. You know, that no one could say that as far as, you know, WCW is concerned. Now, you know, we have people like Nick Bonquico or people like that, you know, in AWA that, you know, started their really peaked, not, not started, but kind of peaked in their uh, 40s and started to become over as a as a main eventer but it's definitely the road less travel like you said so between you know in that road to become a wcw world heavyweight champion like you did what are some big takeaways that you've learned you know just as far as your your road when you started you know i'm sure that you had in mind you know i want to be world champion i would think that Whoever doesn't no, have I didn't even, shouldn't I, be I, wrestling. I didn't even, but I didn't because here, my only goal, my only goal, was to uh, get to the mid card because I was, you know, I'm, I'm 42 years old. I mean, I'm 35 and a half years old starting. I'm hoping to wrestle maybe to 40, like hoping to get that far, and. Um, at one point when I was 38 years old, and um, Dusty, again, he would let me, where Dusty was just so pivotal, he would let me vent. Like, he would let me just, like, because nobody in that booking committee believed in me. Nobody. And he, he wasn't on the booking committee anymore. He wasn't the booker. Cause he wasn't going to take no committee anyway. It's either Dusty's way or no way. And, you know, they put him out the pasture, though. They sure weren't going to, you know, pay him, you know, give him his contract and let him go, go work for Vince. So they'll pay him to stay home. You know, that's how that works. You know, take someone off the shelf. Don't let Dusty Rhodes go down there and bury you. You know, so Dusty was on, you know, on payroll, sitting at home. It drove him crazy. But so he loved doing anything that I wanted to do, you know, or talk about or whatever, because he was in the mix of everything. But for me, he was always in the mix. And then one day I was just, I was on that rant of complaining, <laughs> even past venting. I'm complaining now. And I'm going, listen, Dusty, I know I'm never going to be you or Rick or, or Hogan. You know, I know I'm never going to be the world champion, but they won't give me that. I, and Dennis, Dennis, she just said, shut up. And he never said that to me. I must have been on such a, he just, he hated what I just said. And he said, what did you just say? I said, well, 
you know, dream. If I would have started when I was 22 and I kept going, you know, maybe I would have had a, you know, a shot to be you or Rick or, or Hogan, but I didn't. So I'm never going to be that guy. I go, no, no, no. What did you say after that? I said, well, dream. They're never going to put the world title on me. And he said, then what the hell are you doing it for? Dallas, he said, you are a man that's always going after everything and you've taken it and got it. If you don't believe that you could become the world champion, you need to get the hell out of our business right now. There you go. And I swear to God, there was a there was a yellow ledger pad next to my phone. I grabbed the pen while I was talking to him, but he was still cutting a promo on me. I wrote down, I will be the world champion in five years or less. Nice. That was like November 26. It was four years, four months, and 14 days later. I raised that belt over my head in a four-way dance with three of maybe the top guys of all time, Hogan, Flair, and Sting, and the macho man handing me the world title. You don't get any more this is your time than that. Right, exactly. (laughs) You don't get any more, you know, than that. And I remember watching that match, like, you know, very vividly, um, you know, on and WCW, and it, it was it was great, you know. And, and, it, and it was interesting, too, because you were the underdog, but you weren't the outcast, you know, in that match, as far as what I thought. You know, it, you fit in. I think you've you built yourself, you know, and and it was you, – you got over with the crowd. You know, it was, it was that whole people's champion thing, you know, that, uh, right. that you had. So uh, – and, and I think that – you were like the WCW's version of The Rock when it came to that, as far as you know, being the the, the people's champion in, in in a sense. Especially when you defied, you know, you you were one of the only top players that didn't jump ship, you know, to the NWO. Right. Then when you put that T-shirt on, you know, and and shook uh, Scott Hall's hand and just uh, yanked him over straight to a diamond cutter. Was uh, I, I I marked out? <laughs> I remember I remember that I marked out. <laughs> yeah, that was that you was know, absolutely incredible. And I talk about it in the movie because mm-hmm. you know those guys. I mean, I brought that idea to Kevin Nash. Like, if you saw an angle with me on TV, you could pretty much bet I came up with it because you know no one was no one was going to take the time to think for me or to put me in that spot. So I had to do it. And I didn't go to Eric Bischoff about that. I went to Kevin Nash, who, when Kevin Nash accepted his honor of Hall of Famer, he said in his speech that if it wasn't for me, he may not be there. Because there was times where he wanted to go, okay, I'm done. And I'd be there, big man, don't let them beat you. Don't let them take you out. When he was Vinny Vegas, I would tell him, you were going to be one of the biggest names in our business. Don't let them beat you. And he put it, I couldn't believe it. I know Kevin really well, but I couldn't believe he put it over in his speech because I didn't see that coming. Mm. And, you know, I got chills on that. And then Kevin, yeah, I already told you the Scott Hall story, you know, when his wife was pregnant with her son, Cody. You know, I created, I got him in, I made the job, I made everything happen. 
Now those two guys, I go. I'm going to. I go to Kevin. I tell him that whole idea that you know, what what happened. And he said, I love it. He goes, I want to take the diamond cutter too. He goes, I think this will be a huge pop. It'll be insane. I go, dude, Bischoff's never going to let you take the diamond cutter. <laughs> let me go ask Scott. He goes, go tell Bischoff. He goes, Scott wants to go. You don't think he don't want to help you? You know, we need people to wrestle against, man. He goes, he don't forget what you did for him. He said, go, go tell Bischoff. I said, I'm not telling Bischoff until I ask Scott because I just respect. So I went to Scott. I asked him. He goes, I love it. He goes, let's hit Bischoff tonight. And uh, we were at the bar, and there, you know, Kev was like, "Go, you tell him." I'm like, "No, no, you tell him. <laughs> I'm not telling Bishop this idea. You tell him." So we walked over, you know, started having some beers, and Kevin told him about it. And Bishop's like, uh, "I don't know," because if you remember, no one got to them. No one got to the NWO, and they were the NWO. Of course, Hulk gave it the, you know, the, you know, super blazing quasar that just took it to the next evolution. But those two guys were the NWO. They killed everybody. Nobody touched them yet. Nobody. And um, when Bischoff's like, I don't know. uh, And Scott goes, you know, everybody knows you two guys are boys. Like, Like we came up together, me and Bischoff, you know, but he would never like give me that, like pushing that spot, he'd protect me, which I didn't really appreciate until I got to the WWE. <laughs> but uh, uh, he really did. He, he protected me in a lot of different scenarios where guys were trying to screw me. But um, he'd never give me that spot, like like where it was his idea. And um, he uh, he said, I'm not I'm not really sure. And Bishop goes, I mean, uh, Scott Hall goes, We all know you guys. Everybody knows you guys are boys. He goes, he goes. So your best friends, he goes, and you're telling me that your best friend and you don't want to help him? He goes, I'm not sure if I want to work here. And I just looked at Scott like, wow, that was strong because it came out of nowhere, you know? And uh, it uh, – What would it put you over? You know, <laughs> you know they, 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 they put it on the TV. Now, here's, here's the other side of it. They put – that whole angle on the TV. And for eight weeks in a row, for some reason or another, they took it off. Hmm. So it got to the point, me and Big Show ran together for three years. Like the whole time he was, as soon as he started, I got him ready for Hogan. That's that's how I really got to know Show because I was down the power plant because they weren't doing anything with me. You know, when I came back, when I got my job back, you know, at 37 years old, they didn't, do anything with me, so I, I figure if I don't keep, they figure if you don't, we don't put you on the road, and you don't do any house shows, you don't do TV except for once in a while. Well, he'll stay garbage, but they didn't realize I was going to go down the power plant and work out every single day, be the first to come and the last to leave. They didn't count on that, so I kept getting a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And I trained Big Show down there, and me and him, we rode on the hundreds of thousands of miles together. And uh, I can remember that ninth week, I wasn't even, it wasn't even on the, the sheets. Wasn't even on the sheets. And uh, Show's like, dude, you need to go to New York. You need to go to WWF. He goes, that's where I'm going. I'm done with here. That's where I'm going. He goes, you need to go there. He goes, you're ready. 
He goes, but they ain't ever going to give you the break here. And the next week, it was in New Orleans. And, I mean, I was ready to leave. And I was asking for my... uh, asking for my release and next thing you know it's live i got 12 minutes and we're sh- i'm shooting the match shooting the angle the whole thing and of course by the time i got to the curtain i was down to four minutes <laughs> like trying to like to, to cut me down like setting me up to fail but you couldn't couldn't set it couldn't you couldn't you couldn't set that angle they, they chopped it on time and they didn't really care Bottom line is that's all the time we needed. And now let me ask you, just to give backbone to the story I just told you, if Stone Cold Steve Austin in 1997, I was about to be in a very similar position. Now, this is right, right in, at the, in the beginning of 1997. So if Steve Austin does something to Vince McMahon at the 9 o'clock hour, between the 9 o'clock hour and when he's going to show up again at the end of the show, how many times do you think they'd play that? <laughs> Countless. Right. How many times do you think I, 9 o'clock hour I drop, I hit Scott Hall with the diamond cutter and backdrop Kevin Nash over the top rope and took off through the crowd? How many times do you think they played that back? Uh, probably... Not enough. <laughs> How about none? Oh, wow. So, again, any time that that happened to me, turned out to be the best thing that happened to me. Because people want to, you know, hang in areas, oh, they tried to screw me, and this is so bad, and this is going, all the negativity. I don't ever fall for that. I might fall for it for an hour or two, but you can bet I'm going to turn it around and I'm going to find the positive of everything that they did. Mm. And I'm going to make it work. So if you speaking ask me positive, what I took away, so if you positive, ask me what I took away page. from it, yeah. <laughs> but if you ask me what I took away from it, don't let anybody hold you down. Don't mm. let anybody tell you what you can't do. One of my favorite quotes it was actually, I've got a lot of them. I'm going to give you all three of them. If you say you can or you say you can't, you're right. You know who said that? No. Hen- Henry Ford. But okay. what did he ever do? Next one is <laughs> the repetitions of affirmations leads to belief. And once that belief becomes a deep conviction, things begin to happen. Trust me, you know exactly who that is, but you don't know he said it like that. But I'll tell you the one thing he said over and over and over again, and it's going to ring in your head, everybody who's listening right now, because everybody's heard him say it over and over. The repetition of affirmations leads to belief. And once that belief becomes a deep conviction, things begin to happen. I'm the greatest. I am the greatest of all time. I am the greatest. Muhammad Ali had been Mm. saying, I am the greatest since he was a kid. And he said it right on up to the time he couldn't talk anymore. And the bottom line is, 
in the 1900s when they picked the top 100 athletes of all time. He's number one. Now, was he the greatest athlete of all time? As far as I'm concerned, in the record books, it says Muhammad Ali, the greatest, the number one athlete. And the last thing I'll leave you with this, and this is Einstein who said this. He said, it's not that I'm so smart. It's just I stick with the problem longer. Hmm. Very, very interesting stuff there. Very, uh, <laughs> very uh, philosophical. We we just uh, had a moment of, of philosophy with uh, Diamond Dallas Page, which is very awesome. Um, as you were as you were talking and as you were speaking about uh, not getting a, a break, I thought about just how much money that you and Rock could have drawn in the WWE. Ah! That never oh. oh, oh, ridiculous! You know. And I'll, I'll leave you with that last story because, first of all, I'm the biggest rock fan on the planet. I love that he's the biggest star in the world right now because he's one of us. Um, met him in 19, well, is it yeah, 19, 19, 2000? Yeah, it was 19. It might have been 2000. No, I think it was. I think it was 1999. Right? It's it 2000. It was. It was two years before I came in. Um, me and Big Show, we were both, they were wrestling in Canada. We had a pay-per-view in Canada. And uh, so we were up there the night earlier. I went to the show, which nobody ever did. No one ever goes to the other guy's show, WCW or WWF, unless you're looking for a job. I wasn't looking for a job. I just signed a multi-million dollar deal. I wasn't going anywhere. After the show, me, me and, uh, uh, I always called him G, Giant. Me and, uh, G, we're leaving, getting ready to leave the building, and he goes, you want to meet The Rock? I had to grab my bag. I said, sure, I'd love to. We walked in the locker room. Rock was there. We had a great talk. Uh, very humble, very, I mean, Rock has that ability to make you feel like you're the only person in the room. He, he always has had that, I'm guessing, because I was quite a step or two over him at that time. But Jake had told me to keep an eye on him because he said he's going to be he's going to be a huge star in our business, and that's when he was booking in '96, and he was Rocky Maivia. But he saw something in him. He said this gimmick he's got right now is lame. He said, but at some point he'll break away from this, and he's going to become a huge star in the business. He said the same thing about uh, Austin when he was the ring bearer or ringmaster, whatever he was, and he said the same thing about me when I told him I rotator cuff and I told him I needed him to mentor me and help me in the ring. He told me I was going to be one of the best in the business. He said, if you keep doing what you're doing. So I told Rock that story. And he's like, well, you know, Rock, you know, Jake's got a great eye for talent. And I said, you know, so I've been really like watching your career and I, and I love what's happening with it. Especially now I caught you on some show and you were in during your interview, you were being yourself, but then you became the rock and you bounced back to yourself and then you became the rock. And uh, I said, that was really entertaining, man. I'm really going to have a lot of fun watching you. And we shook hands, and as I'm walking out, and I'm almost down the hallway, I hear, hey, Diamond. As Big Show gets out of my way, I can see in the far corner of that locker room, The Rock is putting on, remember we had those sideburns and those big, so those, mm-hmm. the uh, $1,500 Versace shirts, and I know they were 1500 because I bought a couple of them. So uh, I... Uh, he says to me, and I can see he's rolling in the character. 
Here it comes. He goes, you know, there's only one people's champion. And Big Show just about blew his guts out. He laughed so hard. And I just stared at him. And I bet you I didn't say anything for 15 seconds. I just stared at him. And I said, you know, Rock, you're right. And you, my friend, well, you're looking at him. Oh, and I was out the door. And show went, oh, my God. Oh, my God, you stuffed him. Nobody stuffs him. And that night we went out and got really drunk. I uh, had a great time. I came home. I was still with Kimberly at the time. I woke her up, and I made her listen to me tell her how I was going to show up in the WWF. First of all, she thought I was so drunk because I just signed a multi-million dollar deal. You're not going anywhere. I'm like, listen, this isn't now, but I am going to work at WrestleMania. I am going to end my career in the WWF. That's just the way it is. I've never seen it any other way. And I said, here's what's going to happen. They're going to cut all the lights in the building. And everybody's going to be, for sure, it's Jericho. But it's going to go 15, 20, 30 seconds. No one says anything. And, you know, people are grumbling. And Jim Ross, hold on, don't change the channel. We, we've got some technical difficulty here. And then for the first time ever in a WWF arena, you hear my voice. Blacked out building. Who's the real people's champion? Spotlight mm. hits me. You're looking at him. Throw up the diamond cutter, bang, boom, 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 boom. I would have got booze, and I would have got cheers out of the building. I told Kim at the time, I said, Rock's going to be, you know, he's, he'll be hurt. He'll be out, so he can't answer my, my challenge. Maybe he's doing a movie. Who knows? I go, but that's how it's going to be. I'll go to the ring. I'll cut this promo on him, and I'll just, you know, I'll get on a rant until he gets there, and then we'll start our promos. They'll be unbelievable. So that was an idea. Two years almost to the day that I show up at Vince, Vince McMahon's office. Like, in my mind, we're not doing any other idea except for this. Like that's, that's what they want me to come for. I've never been, you know, I've got an amazing reputation. I'll do business with anybody. I don't care about doing the job as long as we do it right. I mean, this is, this is my unbelievable. The, everything's coming to fruition. Oh, my God, it's happening again. Again, it's not that I'm so smart. It's just I stick with the problem longer. Like this, everything I've laid out, is it, this is going to be my way in. And then when I get there, I get that whole stalker idea. And they were so adamant about it. And where I, there's two things where I screwed up on. One was I didn't go, that's a great idea. This is what I'm going to do. Like, when you want to do this, you know, this is what's going to... I didn't sell it, and it wouldn't have mattered, but for me personally, I sort of like, like, here's an idea I have. No, it's like, no, here's the idea. The second thing, so it derailed my first goal ever that, I mean, dude, I've hit every goal I've ever had in my life. If not exactly a really close version of it. And this is the first time I ever let anybody, like, shift me. And the thing I really learned, because what I should have done was got up from the table, thank Vince, thank Shane for the opportunity. What, what an amazing opportunity. Thank you so much for this idea. But 
That's not who I am. If you want me to draw money with you here, when you're ready to do people's champion versus people's champion, give me a call. Mm-hmm. What, but in my mind, I was 45 and a half years old in my body. So I, I took, I, had, I was owed a million two and change. I took seven, I, I left $498,000 on the table to go to the WWE. Because WCW, unless I bring in, you know, if I wanted to get paid, I had to stay there. They would have given me the buyout to save money. But I didn't care because I thought I was going to make millions of dollars in the WWE. That's what I thought. I knew the way those guys were paid. They got a bottom, but that was their bottom pay. You know, that's the worst they could do. And I didn't freaking get up and walk away from the table. If I had done that, I probably wouldn't have made it to the elevator. They would have called me back and go, okay. Here's what we're going to do. You know, bottom line is I didn't do that. So that ate at me for a while. So when I was going through what wasn't the best time of my career, and I really couldn't control anything, thank God I got to work with uh, Christian at the end. I had that really great match at WrestleMania to be able to walk away from because today I'm getting my best push ever with the WWE, like best push ever. I mean, I posted all three best of nitros, you know, I'm at all the things that they do from the raws to the best of raw, the, you know, the hundred thousand episode. I'm there. They bring me in everything. They let, they give me a damn infomercial in the back the night that Jake shows up when no one's seen him in 16 years. And then they let me induct Jake in the hall of fame and put me in a Royal rumble and let me hit diamond cutters with everybody. Like I'm getting the, Best push ever from the WWE at 59 and a half years young. That's a good point. But, you know, and that's how I, that's what I focus on. And here's what Vince McMahon gave me that day. Because Vince was all about business to Vince. But, and the business wasn't drawing money. The business was, okay, we're going to show everybody this is top dog in WCW, and this is a top dog in the WWF. Now we're going to beat him down, and our babyface ain't ever going to sell anything. <laughs> You know, because we almost shut them down. And I will guarantee you, if I was to go back, if it could have been like five years ago instead of 12 years ago, if it could have been last year, if Taker and I were to go out there today, then I couldn't run with him today. But take us back at the same time, years later, Mark and I would have have stole the show. We'd have had unbelievable chemistry. But there there was things in the way. You know, and they are what they are. So what did I learn from that? You can never be afraid to walk away from the table if you believe in yourself. Now let's go to Shark Tank. You brought it up at the beginning of the day, or beginning of the show. Shark Tank, I went through five interviews to get on that show. From the phone call, to the Skype, to the video, to the written contract, which is 27 pages. And my business partner and I filled everything out, did everything, and I realized these guys want to control me over this between now and it airs and a year after it airs, like only I could, I had to run everything by them. So after a bunch of, you know, after a while of deliberating, you know, how important this was to the company, I told my uh, business partner, Steve, you who is a director of, uh, of the resurrection, Jake snake. I told him, I said, uh, uh, right. Shark tank, send him an email. Thank them so much for the opportunity. Tell them we love the show, but we're going to pass. He's like, what? 
dude, we just spent two years working on this. What do you mean we're going to pass? I said, you got to trust me here, dude. If this is supposed to happen, it'll happen the way we want it to. We can't be asking these guys if we can put YouTubes up and, you know, if I'm going to be on Fox Sports on some, you know, in, in Charlotte, South Carolina, or Charlotte, North Carolina, you know, we got to call them up and ask them, you got to get the ABC first right. I'm not doing any of that. Tell them we're passing. They're 90 minutes later, the executive producer calls me back. How do we fix this? Three contracts I said no to before I signed one. And we went on that show for $200,000. I didn't want any money because I wanted to do a dollar, and they all fought about it, but that's besides the point. Bottom line is we went on that show for $200,000. We didn't get a deal. A lot of people felt bad for me. Just so you know, the app that I have produced is closer to a million dollars on five different platforms, the iPhone, the iPad, the web, the Droid, and the tablet. It's all paid for. The nice. building that's $2.3 million, that's 6,300 square feet, which is a production studio. It's for cooking shows, our workouts, and a 30-foot green screen. Where it's got 20-foot. We can land up to the floor and 16 feet high. Five edit bays, conference, showers, locker rooms. $2.3 million all paid for. It's the house that Shark Tank built. It's nice. the app that Shark Tank built. So I learned you have to take control of your own destiny. Don't let anyone tell you what you can or can't do. It'll keep going back to that. And I'm just going to leave here on this because i got to get <laughs> up early tomorrow. Um, JakeTheSnakeMovie.com. We will doing doing pre-sales uh, next week. Maybe it's Tuesday or Wednesday. It'll be one of those days. We'll be up there. If you get, we're we'll sending an email out to everyone. We know the exact day because we want to blow iTunes away. We were giving them the exclusive. We want to. They 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 put us in the you know the uh, top 124 consideration for the Oscar, which is pretty cool. You know, a lot of people thought that would never happen, but we did. Out of 5,000-some-odd uh, um, documentaries, we were in our top 124. Now I want to show the world that the wrestling people, because they, they got behind Jake, like they got behind Jake for, for, you know, his shoulder. They got behind Scott for their hip. There are... 30, I think it's about, maybe it's maybe it's 2,200. I'm not sure the exact number, but when you get to the end of the movie, did you see all those names up there? Mm. <laughs> did you see that? All those, that those thousands of names? Yeah, that was amazing. Those are the people who helped Jake and Scott. Mm. That's who all those names are. So if you're listening and you did get a picture from Jake or a t-shirt from Scott or a call or whatever... Look for your name. It's up there. And when we send out the DVDs, when we start to put the DVDs for sale, the people who are the ones who put up and, and, and for a DVD, they will get them. My goal is for them to get them a day ahead of everybody else because the VOD will already be out there. But what we're going to put on the DVDs, like we've got hours of footage. Jake 
me and Steve use the director. You know how they do the thing at the end of the director's cut and they sit around and talk about the movie? Mm-hmm. Well, we did that the other day and tell me this is, could have ever happened in a million years. That three years after Jake Roberts comes into my house and turn his life around, or what I would call the accountability crib, that not only he would develop his own spoken, unspoken word, as he calls it, comedy tour, where he toured 20 different places, sold them out in Canada, but he does it all over the country. Does his own, you know, it's unspoken word. It's it's thought-provoking. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. It'll inspire you. It's Jake telling locker room stories that are just off the hook. But right now, I don't know if you know it, but there's another wrestling organization. It's never going to rival the WWE. You know, Jake actually has the blessings of the WWE to actually go there. And, and you know, because we asked before he ever did anything, like, make sure you tell WWE everything before you go to making any kind of deals with anybody. But there is a new federation that's going to help the boys out and keep them working in Vegas. And I, I don't want to give all the – you know, the information away, because it's not mine to do, it's Jake's too. But Jake is like the head writer. So at 60 years old, his life is beginning all over again. Because he got sober, he got his clarity, and, you know, I just hope he keeps doing it one day after the other. It's one day at a time. So you really want to see the movie The Resurrection of Jake the Snake? Go sign up at jakethesnakemovie.com. You want to see what DDP Yoga is all about? Well, there's no easier way than right now. Go to ddpyoganow.com, and you can actually sign up and get online and get the app because we give it out for free. But to get the stuff that's a subscription or all the workouts and stuff, but we give samplers of them. And... When you see how interactive, this is like a game where you get, if you do your workout, you get X amount. Now, that, you get to do the workout, you actually have the, your heart rate monitor built up and everything. You don't want to get short workouts on, you know, for free because it's a sampler. But if you got the program, you got the workout, you get X amount of points for staying in your fat burning zone if you wear your heart monitor. If you got a Bluetooth heart monitor, you get double the points. And then we do it for pictures and measurements. And we make this thing so fun, it'll blow your mind. Because now you must have got a letter because you bought the program. You invested in it. You must have got a letter telling you got 30 days free of the app. Did you get that? Uh, I probably did. I, got, I get so many emails that I don't check all Now, <laughs> you, you might want to go back and look at that one because that's, that's 30 days free on the app, bro. You know, and when you see it, you're, are you a, are you a Droid or are you an Apple guy? Droid. Okay, well it's up there now because we we got people on you know on Google Play and uh, um, you know the the app is I'm not even promoting it right now because uh, I I'm waiting for it to come up on on iTunes and mm-hmm. they they've been jerking us around a little bit on that so um, uh, we're just waiting for that to all clear up and uh, as soon as that happens then I'm going to be pushing it everywhere because I want everybody on all levels. And coming the end of January to the app will be the first ever DDP video wake-up alarm clock where I come knocking on the screen of your phone or your tablet or your iPad 
going, yo, monkey, get out of bed. Get on the mat. Don't make me come in there. You know, there's a bunch of stuff. There's stuff I've done with Jake and Scott and all sorts of stuff. That'll be coming at the end of January. But that's going to be pretty funny and, and inspiring. All right, my friend, that's all I got. Thank you, man. <laughs> Appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with you as far as, you know, knowing your path and sticking with it. I uh, Personally, I, I am uh, in my Ph.D. program, about to become a doctor. So uh, that is awesome. Uh, Thank you, God man. Appreciate you, man. it. Thank you. Thank you very much, and uh, thank you so much, DDP. Uh, great time speaking with you, and uh, have a great night, man. You too, buddy. See ya. Thank you. Bye bye. You are now listening to the Pancakes and Power Slam Show, hosted by Chris Featherstone and Derek of Crave Wrestling. This is the new. Tuesday Night Titans! Wow, ladies and gentlemen, the Diamond Dallas Page graced the Pancakes and Power Sam show. What an awesome time speaking with him, Derek. You know what? And again, ladies and gentlemen, Diamond Dallas Page was here tonight. He gave us full commentary of what's expected out of the DVD. Once you see it, get it on iTunes. I think, I mean, Diamond Dallas Page is gained 16 billion customers just for being on the show tonight. Yeah, and exactly. for, uh, he's got so many people that are going to, everybody, the chat room's blown up. They want to know where to find it. Absolutely marvelous. And he was here with us tonight, ladies and gentlemen, Diamond Dallas Page. He was here. It's a celebrate Pancake and Power Slam. It's the best place to be on Tuesday night. And it's a shame that we now have to talk about Monday Night Raw and stuff like that because we're on such a high note with DDP. Exactly. But uh, Chris Featherstone brought me here and Pancakes and Power Stank Studio. We're just, we're alight. We're just so full of energy now. That was absolutely marvelous. Chris, great job, great job, as always. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. So let's uh, let, let's create a, a fun, healthy balance with Raw talk. We're just going to we're just going to go skim through Raw for time's sake. But I got a load of TLC questions from the history of TLC. Uh, we're going to spend probably about ninety seconds just kind of reliving uh, the NWO. Scott Hall's debut. He spoke a lot about Scott Hall, and you know I, I did watch um, DVD. It's great. Um, you know, his PR rep uh, sent me the DVD. As um, you know, many from a, from a media standpoint, from PR standpoint, you know, I got the uh, I got the pleasure to to watch it before uh, before it came out and was uh, really released and launched. So it was great. Uh, very very great. Um, poignant. DVD, uh, like I said before. Um, all right, so here we go. TLC questions. Who defeated Sheamus in a chairs match at TLC 2012? Who defeated Sheamus in a chairs match at TLC 2012? All right, real quick, Raw, we got uh, the League of Nations in rig promos in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, interrupted by Wide Family, the Nadellis, and Dreamer. We have uh, we officially have four big stables, uh, four man stables in the WWE right now. Very interesting there. Uh, Rhino's introduced, um, interesting introduction, but at the same time, you know he's been on NXT for months, so it wasn't 
he wasn't huge, but he 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 fits he fits a little bit more than Spike. I, I'd prefer it to be Spike, but Rhino Rhino fits a little bit more as far as like a big man to kind of counter the the Wyatt family. So it, you know it made sense. Uh, the family. Uh, Roman Reigns, Ambrose, and the Usos defeats League of Nations, Wide Family, and, and Team Extreme or the Extreme Army. I've heard I heard both both of those on Raw. Four way elimination match, which for some oh. reason to me I think that should have been the the I would have preferred that to be the main event of TLC. I don't think there should be a title match of TLC, and we got to we got to make it quick because we got predictions coming up too. But uh, Kevin Owens defeating Dolph Ziggler, very good match. Ambrose coming out and throwing soda and popcorn in Owen's face. Uh, very interesting there. Naomi and Sasha Banks defeating Alicia Fox and Brie Bella. And then a New Day appears and uh, graces and, and, and gifts and endows uh, Team Bad with uh, unicorns and just a random dancing, you know, <laughs> in the ring, all six of them. And it was by far to me. The best moment of Raw, one of the best moments all year. That was absolutely incredibly funny to me. Uh, Lucha Dragons defeating the New Day. Got some distraction from the Usos there. Then the Miz TV was Charlotte and Ric Flair uh, interrupted by Paige. So weird. So confusing. Who is the heel here? Who's the babyface? Who's the heel? How in the world am I supposed to be attached to a character and the WWE can't even find out how to develop him right? It just... Read my article on WAWNation.com about NXT, about Raw and SmackDown needing to take the NXT template as far as old school booking, developing characters very well. It's a, it's a very good read, if I may say so myself. Uh, please go to WAWNation.com if you're listening um, through iTunes or through Facebook, through Twitter, through WAWNation uh, live stream. Uh, please go there and look at my uh, article about that. But, yeah, just I don't know who to attach myself to because both of them were heelish, and it just didn't make sense at all to me. Ryback and Rusev, I have no idea why. They're trying to make another angle from this. It doesn't make sense to me at all. Jack Swagger and Stardust, you got that brother Dorio working with him. Oh, how is anyone going to believe that Swagger is going to be United States champion? The U.S. championship was one of the best titles to watch the past six, eight months. And then all of a sudden, it just flounders again. It just ridiculous. Strowman defeating Dreamer and then Roman Reigns and Sheamus segment, which is just painful to watch. As a Roman's uh, apologist and a Roman's, Roman Reigns fan myself, it was painful to watch because it just seems so scripted, especially on, well, it, both of them. It just seems like they both were reading from a monologue. And, and it was so painful to watch and just not very exciting at all to um to 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 really excite me for TLC this weekend. So, uh, Big Show is the correct answer. Good job. Before we get your thoughts on that, Derek. Next question is who won the Intercontinental Title at TLC 2014? And we'll also have uh, loads of TLC trivia next week. So, what are your thoughts on that, Derek? Well, uh, thoughts on that was you know they have all these factions now. Where was that when Survivor Series was going on? That would have made more sense to have something like that in Survivor Series. Uh, broken record, Ziggler and Owens was great. With uh, 
the ECW people coming back. Again, Rhino, he's been there. He's WWE-affiliated. Kind of a waste. I mean, why not bring Mikey Whipwreck back? Remember him? Um, I do. But it, it would work. Spike Dudley would be a lot more fun. I almost thought it would be Rob Van Dam, but it wasn't, which, again, it would get the same response as Rhino. And uh, the Roman Reigns last night, Sheamus, that was the worst ending to Raw I have ever, ever seen. It was so boring. And it was, again, you get this thing where it's script-righted. I mean, he calls him tater tots, and then he gives his fake. <laughs> Forget about it. Right. Roman Reigns, you've dropped, you've dropped a few pegs in my, if, I mean, I'm over it. Sheamus and Reigns have no business being together. The whole thing was just an absolute schmoz. There was 15 minutes of nothing, and they just kind of punch each other a couple times. Oh, you got to get rid of this chair. You got rid of that table. Get in there and do something. I mean, don't. It was wasted time. It was filler. It was like watching a divas match. Is what I'm going to compare it to because that's what it was like. Yeah, it was Monday night. Oh, I'm I'm almost getting tired of it. Yeah, it was it was rough. It was so rough. And here's the problem. You know, I think it's about this that time now where Roman Reigns, if, if Roman Reigns is the guy, and if Roman Reigns is is listening to the Pancakes and Power Slam show uh, this week, <laughs> uh, I, I here's the thing. It's time for Roman Reigns to to say something, to step up and say something, uh, because. The the John Cena template is what lost, you know, ten fifteen million viewers, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, it's it's true. The John Cena template is the wrong template to be booking, and to be getting people over effectively. Period. John Cena was force fed to us. He got over because the WWE put him over. You know, we had to put up with it because we still love wrestling, so we had no other choice. You know, out of the, you know, 15 million people watching, 15 to 20 million people watching uh, WWE and WCW, you know, 15 years ago, 15, 17, 18 years ago, you've got three, if that, watching now. So the John Cena template is what hurt the WWE. We're going to give you this guy, and we're going to give him to you, no matter how you like it or not. It should be, you know, understand the homegrown talent, understand, you know, this guy being the guy, but we've said it many times on this show, and I will just continue to reiterate it. It's, you, you have to have a number of guys, you have to have people come out of the pack to become the top guy. You You just have to. And... If the Roman Reigns thing template is not working because uh, because it's not, you know, in in regards to us having to, we we have to be force fed Roman Reigns promos. And again, I will again, 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 I will stand up for Roman Reigns because he's being he, he's being dealt what he has to be dealt. He has no other choice if he wants to make in the WWE. And he's grown leaps and bounds in his wrestling abilities and so on and so forth. But I think this is the time for Roman Reigns to go in the office and say, listen, something needs to be done. I'm tired of reading off of these scripts. 
This is not working, and it's not working. Reading off of scripts is not working, period, especially if you're trying to develop a talent to have an organic pop like someone such as Daniel Bryan or, you know, Kevin Owens. You know, getting that organic feel with a homegrown talent, it's tough. You did it with Dolph Ziggler. You know, he, he had an organic feel to him, and he's a homegrown talent. So it can work, but you can't just keep force-feeding it, prom- these these awful promos. Who's writing this stuff? It's It's just ridiculous. And you can't – whoever's writing for Roman Reigns, should be demoted or should be coached or something. Because as a promo guy, you cannot sit there. If you're trying to build his character as a babyface, you can't sit there and and talk for you know 90 seconds and then stop waiting for the crowd to react to you as if they're going to have a positive reaction. If you want to protect Roman Reigns, again I say... Get him off that mic. Have the lights go off. You come in. You spear Sheamus. The lights go back off. Next thing you know, no one's there. You go through the League of Nations Austin style. Throughout the whole night, you you know you you have matches, random matches with the League of Nations. Roman Reigns come in and he spears all of them throughout the night of Raw. He cost Del Rio the the U.S. title in some in some sense in in some way against somebody. That's how you book Roman Reigns. You book him as a no nonsense guy, as an anti hero, just like Austin, and that's what's going to make him work. Coming in, sparing people just like Austin did. He would just come in, stun someone, and leave. And that's exactly what they should do with Roman Reigns. You can't just keep putting a mic on him and expecting it to work. Have him come in, have a no-nonsense attitude, what actually put him over in the first place with the shield, and use that, and that will work. Period. It's going to work. Dolph Ziggler is the correct answer. Uh, what's, the next question is, who competed for the Money in the Bank case at two, uh, TLC 2012? What was that match? Uh, for the Money in the Bank case. All right, let's 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 do a Flavor of the Week real quick. we got about uh, 90 seconds on it. It is now time for the Flavor of the Week. So, real quick, uh, reliving the NWO, um, such an amazing debut, and, and DDP was talking about Scott Hall. It was just... You know, I saw one of the most memorable moments in, in, in pro wrestling history when, you know, talk about a jump. I mean, remember we, I mean, remember Lex Luger, you know, had that very surprising jump uh, when, you know, he came out the Mall of America on Nitro, the first Nitro. But Scott Hall coming out, you know, from the crowd and, you know, you know, you you want to know why I'm here? You know, it's it was absolutely incredible, um, and it was he's you 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 know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. Awesome time, Derek. Awesome time, and it was a time when my buddies and I would, and even my brother, we would uh, they'd watch WCW, I'd watch WWE, 
and they would call me. I'd get like four or five phone calls during the night. Oh, switch over, switch over. Do you believe he just won? You know, it was it was it was crazy. Everyone knew Razor Ramon. Scott Hall shows up on Monday Night Raw, or I'm sorry, on uh, Nitro. Then you got you know Kevin Nash shows up. It just you'll never have that again in wrestling modern era because there was just so you didn't have the internet. You didn't have so easy access to rumors and dirt sheets. I mean, it's a time you'll never get back, and that's a shame because it was just so much. Like you and I say, Monday Night Raw and Nitro. Monday nights was like Christmas. It was just you couldn't yeah. wait. That's all you cared about throughout the whole week. And again, you'll never have that again. The surprises, just the things that happened. You know, yeah, it was a special time, and it, you'll never get that again in wrestling. I don't think because there's just so much. Everything you know, everything that's going to happen before it does. Right. No, very true. Uh, Cena Ziggler, uh, that is correct, and Ziggler and Ziggler actually beat Cena. Uh, very interesting there. Um, and Cena lost the next year too, uh, against two. Uh, and what was what was at stake? Uh, real quick predictions for TLC this uh, this Sunday. Uh, Del Rio Swagger, who you have? I've got Del Rio. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, Charlotte and Paige for the Divas Championship. Charlotte. Absolutely. Uh, ECW Originals, which is uh, the Dudley's Dreamer Rhino against the Wyatt Family. Uh, Eight-man tag team elimination tables match. Uh, Wyatt Family. Yeah, absolutely. They're going over. Uh, New Day against the Usos against Lucid Dragons, triple threat. Ladder match, tag team championship. Who you got? New Day. I do as well. Owens Ambrose Intercontinental Championship. I want to say Dean Ambrose is going to win. I agree. I think Ambrose is going to take it as well. And then finally, Sheamus Roman Reigns TLC match for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Sheamus will find a way to win. I agree. I think that I think they they're not going to put on Reigns yet. They're going to continue to make him build, and I hope it's. Hope it's worth it. Hope it's, hope it's worth looking at, and and not this crap that uh, we've been handed to the past few weeks. Special shout out to Diamond Dallas Page. Thank you so much for being on the show. Awesome time. Uh, enjoy TLC this week. We'll be back next week to talk about it. Until then, enjoy your week of wrestling. God bless. Daddy loves Ian and Elijah, and thank you. Bye bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.